In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind's Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Counter. It's Chris Corman here for The Win, joined by Stephen Ruiz, our lead NFL writer. Stephen, hey, buddy. We're a week away from the NFL season. Can you believe that? I cannot. I'm, I'm still not ready for it. And... Still I mean, not ready for it. No, I'm not. Even after like putting together all these notes for these podcasts, <laughs> I'm still like, I feel like the season is still like a month or two away. It's it's because there's no preseason. Like preseason gets you ready for football, and we like we need preseason as fans, and then we didn't get it. So I'm gonna I'm, I might get off to a sloppy start as a fan. I think I think there's no doubt that's gonna happen. But it's uh, it's 2020, man. Everything about this year is is. Uh, totally, totally effed. I mean, that's the only way to put it. It's just, it's just a mess, uh, and there's no way to be prepared uh, in the usual ways that you get prepared. So, just got to think on your feet, man, and be, and be ready. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I really, I mean, I, yeah, they're going to play NFL football a week from today when we're taping this. It's Thursday, uh, and the Texans and Chiefs will open up that night uh and yeah uh <laughs> i mean you're right it's just it, it feels like we have like such a different set of information going into the season just because we don't have the preseason games that usually don't give us great foresight anyway right they're not really previewing what's going to happen but with it's nice to at least have like something to lean on right uh, one of the one of the areas where i've kind of had trouble is with offensive lines like mm-hmm. i don't know who the offensive lines are gonna like who's starting where for a lot of these teams like in my notes i'm like yeah this could happen this could happen they you kind of rely on like how teams are splitting reps in practice which is kind of hard to do and then like with the preseason game you could see there's a starting lineup every week so you can base it on that at least this right. way we don't even know so Right. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, it's like our last show I brought, you know, it's a little bit like college, right? Like college teams don't have preseason games. They, a lot of them play the, uh, the money games where they pay some poor Mac team or division one double a, you know, like the FCS team to come in. Um, and they, they, they sort of serve as de facto, uh, exhibition games, but, yeah, this is just we're just going to get going and it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, man. Uh, so to that end, we are finishing up our preview series here, our fourth and final episode looking at the NFC and AFC West divisions. Uh, and uh, as with the others, we're just going to take it by how Steven projects them to finish. Uh, and obviously this is an interesting group because it uh, includes the last uh, last year's Super Bowl teams. So we are going to actually start in the NFC West. And Steven does see the 49ers once again uh, coming away with this division. 13-3 and last year, plus 169 point differential. Offensive DBOA, seventh. Defensive DBOA, second. Wow, they're good. Uh, they <laughs> lost uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, traded him to the Colts. Uh, sort of a salary cap move. They were needed some space. Uh, Manuel Sanders departed and they replaced Joe Staley with Trent Williams. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure that there's anything more to this story than can Kyle Shanahan do a better job propping up, propping up Jimmy G than Sean McVay did propping up Jared Goff. Uh, and I, you know, 
that that seems to be sort of where we're at. What what's your read on this situation? Well, I'll say that Kyle Shanahan has a much longer track record of success right. as a play caller. Like we kind of just annoyed it. Uh, Sean McVay, although he was good in Washington, but after those first couple years in uh, Los Angeles, maybe we we crowned him too early. But anyway, uh, with the 49ers, it looks like it looked like they were kind of headed toward, down that same path as the Rams, who had lost the Super Bowl in 2018, and then they had salary cap issues, and they ended up losing a bunch of guys in that next offseason. And the 49ers looked like they were about to lose a bunch of guys just because they didn't have a lot of cap space and they had a lot of free agents, but their front office figured out a way to make it work. And they figured it out by trading Buckner and they got a first round pick and they were able to replace him right away with Javon Kinlaw, who, right. I mean, he's not going to be DeForest Buckner right away, but he's a very good player. He was the top defensive tackle for a lot of people. Yeah. He's a monster. And he's going to be cheap, right? Which is what you're looking for when in a salary cap league. So, I I mean they lost Emmanuel Sanders. That's the big loss. But even but he was they, like a they, yeah. He was a, they got they got Brandon Ayuk with uh, I mean a wide receiver that you didn't love, but they did replace him too with with their pick in the the, the yeah, so, pick. And it's not like Sanders was like there all of last year. Like they were a very good team before they got him. He kind of was like the missing right. piece. Uh, so it's even that's not a huge loss. I, yeah, I was surprised that the, I shouldn't have been surprised because their front office is very good and their salary cap specialist is very good. And John Lynch seems to be good at finding talent. I don't know how long that's going to last because draft performance isn't consistent. But as long as they have a guy in there who can manage all these salary these salaries, and I don't think they're ever going to have a problem keeping the cap together. The the problem could be keeping the defense strong, and that's really what this is going to come down to for this team because we know. Defensive performance just changes year to year. It's right. not as stable as offensive performance. So uh, that's really what it comes down to. Like, how good is the defense going to be? Is it going to be as good as it was last year? There's some question marks about that. But I will say this. They weren't so reliant on turnovers like the Patriots were. And that's one reason why defenses tend to regress. Like, the best defenses usually get a lot of turnovers, and that's why they're so good. But that wasn't really the case for the 49ers. Right. You uh, you did your typical uh, Super Bowl deep dive uh, about a week after the game ended, and you ended up putting a lot of the blame for the 49ers not holding on to the game uh, on Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, uh, and just his inability to really adapt to what Andy Reid was giving him, and uh, more to the point, his inability to hide it and sort of he gave Andy Reid all sorts of things to read. Andy Reid read them because he's a veteran coach and exploited everything they did in the second half, and there was no uh, sort of no adjustment. Does he need to – I mean, are you thinking that he needs to be better at becoming more multiple and doing more different things w- with the defense, uh, a la Bill Belichick, who, you know, as you've written so many times, really figures it out week to week and changes, and therefore it's almost impossible to – game plan against him uh, effectively. Do the 49ers, is that the next step for their defense? Uh, Maybe, but I think that was like, that was a rare occurrence where you're going up against Mahomes and Reed and and Tyreek Hill. Like, I I don't think necessarily think that Salah is, is not a guy that can adjust. I think he proved that at certain times during the year and they weren't, they played more coverages than people gave them credit for. So I, I don't know if that's really the case. I think it was just that was just a bad performance on a big stage. And I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of him going forward. I think and if he learns from that mistake, I'm sure he he's reviewed the tape himself and he's reviewed his own process. So maybe he gets better. I, I, I don't think it's a problem. And he certainly has the talent to play that style of defense. He doesn't have to fool you because he has so many dudes on that defense. Right. Uh, the big question mark with this team is the receiving core, I think. Uh, right. And, and they're beat up right now, as a matter of fact, right? I mean, Debo Samuel's out. Uh, I don't think he's been practicing. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who I mentioned, I think has been dealing with some injury. Uh, not a ton of talent behind that. Obviously, they have George Kittle, who is uh, the best combo tight end in the league, but, you know, best at, at both blocking and catching passes. Um, how do you see this offense evolving 
this season? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. It's still going to be good. We know it's going to be good because of Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I'm it, a lot of it comes down to Brandon. Ayuk. if he's better than I think he he's going to be. And I, he landed with the perfect coach, right? Like one of my problems with him from his film in college was that he didn't really deal with contact well, but if he got open, he got the ball in his hands. He was definitely a great player. Mm-hmm. And Shanahan is going to find ways to avoid him getting touched on the line of scrimmage. So I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to be a productive receiver. It just seems like him and Debo Samuel, there's a lot of overlap with their skill set. There's not like a clear number one guy. I do think Kendrick Bourne is a guy they can rely on in the red zone. He Shanahan was drawing up plays for him in the red zone, which is a good sign if you're a receiver, like a low volume receiver if they're drawing a place for you at pivotal moments in the game and that they probably think highly of you mm-hmm. so i think it's an issue where they don't have an established guy but when you have kyle shanahan I, the last thing i'm worried about is production in the passing game he's going to figure out ways to scheme guys open uh, BetMGM has over under here of 10.5 wins football outsiders projection is uh, much lower at eight point four wins. What's your read? Is are you picking the over or the under for this group? I'm going to pick the over. I, I I know there's a lot of nerds out there that think they're going to regress, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be too much. Like they might not have the record they had last year. They did win a lot of close games, and even though there was like a stretch where they got where they had a lot of injuries pile up, they were mostly healthy. Uh, I'm going to say they win. They're still going to win 11 games. I, I don't see how they go lower than that. So I'm going to take the over. You have, I, I, this is a, such a fascinating one for me because it pits your, uh, your trust in Shanahan versus your distrust in Garoppolo. <laughs> uh, you know, just the, the, those two things. And um, I'm anxious to see which actually wins out once the season happens. Um, you know, if, if Shanahan can continue to make this work. Uh, I'm sure you'll be breaking that down in the first few weeks. Um, Another team we know will be good because they've been good for a lot of years now, uh, despite maybe some questionable coaching decisions, Seattle Seahawks. That's who you have finished second in the NFC West. Um, Last year, they were 11 and five plus seven point differential offensive BBOA fifth defensive 18th. brought in and lost a lot of different players uh, in the biggest news of the day, probably in the NFL, uh, they re-signed Josh Gordon, who has spent some time with them. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, maybe the most talented wide receiver around when he plays, he's not, he's not been able to stay on the field very consistently for a number of reasons, but uh, it certainly gives them a, a, terrific option if he's able to get onto the field. Um, so it sort of seems like this team, you know, you, Russell Wilson, right? Like Russell, what's he call himself now? I can't even remember his own. Nickname. Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah. I don't, I don't even, not sure what that, I mean, he's very good. He's a very, very, very good quarterback who probably does more to carry his team than, well, we talked about Deshaun Watson last, last show. So, uh, he's, but he's in that, he's in that same category where he's just able to carry, uh, this team. So do you see, uh, that continuing? I mean, is how is, is the window still open for this team? Yeah. And I think I put together this order before the Jamal Adams trade and for the Josh Gordon signing, obviously. But right. like, I, I think the difference between them and the 49ers, I don't think there's a big difference. Like it's a coin flip to me. I think Seattle could win this division now, right? Especially. Okay. This is what needs to happen. Greg Olson needs to stay healthy, which is a big question mark. Cause he's been hurt for like the last three years, but when he's played, he's been a reliable tight end for the Panthers. And I think he should be good with Russell Wilson. I mean, he he was somewhat productive with Kyle Allen, which, I mean, that's a big leap for him. (laughs) Josh Gordon is like, I think he's like the perfect receiver for a guy like Russell Wilson who will, he's not afraid to throw the ball up deep. Like, it's not like he's putting it in dangerous spots, but he gives his receivers a chance. And Gordon is a guy who's going to win those chances more often than not. 
And then he has Tyler Lockett. Like he has a lot of good players around him. And Paul Richardson is back after a brief stint in Washington. And he was always, he always had a good connection with uh, Russell Wilson. So this might be his best supporting cast ever. And the offensive line isn't a total disaster. If they just call a little more, like a, a few more passes on first down, I really think this could be. This was a top ten offense last year. It was a top five offense. I think it could be in that same area again. Does it feel uh, just utterly ridiculous to be like, man? If they just caught up with like <laughs> NFL play calling circa twenty twelve, they would be good. Uh, they just stopped doing right. ninety nine uh, style football. Uh, yeah, I mean the. Uh, the devotion to the run is problematic, as you have pointed out before. Uh, need to let Russ cook a little bit, uh, let him go. Defensively, this is obviously not the uh, Seattle defense that we came to know and love a few years ago. Uh, there are some changes. Uh, Bruce Irvin is coming in as an edge rusher. Quentin Dunbar at the corner. And then uh, you mentioned Jamal Adams. Um, I guess we don't know about Jadavion Clowney yet, right? He is still out yeah. there just waiting for um, a chance. Seattle for- fans are still holding out hope that he comes back. I don't know right. if it's going to happen, but I, they certainly need him because pass rush is the big weakness. The back seven of that defense, like the linebacking group and the secondary, are very good and very deep. That's not going to be a problem, but they're they're going to have a hard time getting pressure on the passer. Right. They just have no defensive pressure, uh, and that's <laughs> – probably not going to work <laughs> uh, it generally does not in the nfl um they you, you see that as their biggest weakness uh tell me a little bit about what Pete carroll's defense how it operates now i know we've talked about this on other shows but how has he adjusted to life after the uh legion of boom defense I think you're seeing more of a variety of coverages. Like you're seeing more too high coverages, whereas in the past they would just put, they would just park Earl Thomas in center field and put Cam Chancellor in the box and it would work because they were just better than everyone. And one of the big things is they had that pass rush and that was like kind of underrated for them because Mm -hmm. of the attention the Legion of Boom got. Like they had, it wasn't, they had a lot of guys that were good and they had Michael Bennett, they had uh, Averill, but they also had depth, so they could just throw different pass rushers at you. Right. They played. They played like eight, nine guys in the line every game. I mean, it was just right. And and like if you listen to uh, Kyle Shanahan's, uh, he was on Chris Sims's podcast like a month ago, and he was talking about why he chose the Seattle style of defense because Salah's from that coaching tree. Why he chose it, and he mentioned how like it's so solid on the back end. And there are answers to beat it, but the answers you, you have to hold on to the ball in order to you know exploit the holes in that kind of defense. Yeah. So you need a, a strong defensive line, which is what the 49ers ended up building. But the Seahawks don't have that, so that that's kind of why Seattle's going to have to adjust even more. I think so, and I think they will because they have different personnel now. They have guys that can play; they can play more main coverage. And I think uh, Ken Norton, the defensive coordinator kind of mentioned how they kind of have the the dudes to play more man coverage. So that right. could be the big change. Right. And I think, I think it would work and I think it would give them more, more time to more time for the defensive line to get after the quarterback man coverage tends to lead to a higher time to throw. Mm-hmm. So that's one, I think that's the one way they can make up for what they lack on the defensive line. Yeah. They, uh, they opted for Jordan Brooks, the linebacker to Texas tech, who's a little bit more of a run stuffer. I know you hated that pick. Uh, Although I've come around on it. Like apparently, like apparently a lot of it had to do with his, his role in Texas tech's defense. And apparently he's been good in coverage in camp. So maybe I was wrong about that. I'm willing to take an L on it. I, I would, I think I was walking back the the F grade immediately after. But can, can you believe any news coming out of camp right now, though? No, you can't. It's all just yeah, all just bluster. Uh, yeah, I you know I, I certainly want to see this team compete. See Pete Carroll have a chance again uh, to make a deep playoff run. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, you know, you have these notes here, and you have them trending up or down, and you have this franchise trending up. Uh, I kind of feel like, I don't know. It just feels to me like this team is maybe, I mean, I guess if you have Russell Wilson, you're always going to be okay, but um, it feels like this is 
you know, a season where they need to make, you know, because Greg Olson's not going to be around forever either. Um, so this feels like a good chance for them to make uh, to make another push. Um, BetMGM has the over-under at 9.5 wins, Football Outsiders projection 8.7, over or under for you? I'm going over. I think this is a... I don't see how they don't win 10 games. I know there's a lot of reasons why people expect them to regress because they were very lucky in close games last year and their point differential was not very good. And they, I don't know how they won 11 games last year, but it's probably not going to happen. They're not going to get that lucky again, but I don't think they need to. They've made enough improvements. It's not like the Packers who also are due for some regression, but they didn't improve the roster at all. The Seahawks clearly did. They added a bunch of guys and a, right. some top talents and like, Josh Gordon and Jamal Adams are like two of the most talented players in the league. Right, exactly. Um, this next team, finishing third for you, the Arizona Cardinals. I know that this is like the one that you secretly are hoping <laughs> deep down that they take a giant leap and prove to everyone that, uh, that the, their approach can work in the NFL. Um, you know, you've written – a lot of words about Cliff Kingsbury's offense uh, and Kyler Murray's fit in it. Uh, you know, obviously that's the story, just their continued growth. Uh, they were five, 10 and one last year with a negative 81 point differential offensive DVOA 13th defense, 23rd uh, huge addition in Deandre Hopkins brought over in a trade with the Texans um, lost David Johnson in that same trade. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Uh, they picked Isaiah Simmons, the multi-talented, do-everything, linebacker safety type from Clemson. Uh, we'll see how he gets used and what impact he has. Um, where, where do you see this team? You, you know, what what is the evolution here now that there is a, a top-flight, clear number one wide receiver on this offense? I think he, his – the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins mean would have means more to Arizona than it would have meant to any other team in the league. Like hmm. they really needed that guy in that receiving court because they did not have anyone approaching his talent level last year, and it showed. Like defenses just felt like they could man up with the Cardinals, and they didn't have to adjust anything on the back end, no matter how they aligned their receivers, and it made things a lot harder on Kyler Murray in particular. Now he has that guy, and it, it showed up in the red zone. That's where I think it showed up the most. Like they were just a bad red zone team. They moved the ball just fine between the twenties, and okay. they ended up being, I think, what do they rank in offensive DVOA? They ranked thirteenth. I think that just is going to allow them to take off. It's going to allow Kyle, Kyler Murray to take off because that was like really his big area where he needed more improvement was in the red zone. And now they have a guy who can beat, who's going to beat most cornerbacks like there's only a handful of cornerbacks who can hold up against him one-on-one so they're gonna team defenses are gonna have to put resources over there and they're gonna have to take them out of the box and take them off of other receivers i think it's just gonna open things up for all their guys and they like christian kirk was miscast as a number one receiver he was not as good as he should have been like in a number two role i think he's gonna be much better like I love Larry Fitzgerald, but he's he's washed up. I mean, right. he's a professional. He still is a useful player, but he's not he's not Larry Fitzgerald anymore. He's like a a glorified tight end. I I think the run game is going to be good again. It was good last year. It was one of the best in the league because of Cliff's scheme. The offensive line was not very good coming into the season, but it still performed. So right. that's like the big question mark from a personnel standpoint right. going into the season. Clint. Kenyon Drake was great when he came over last year. I mean, it, it sort of proved that it was, you know, that, like you said, it's Kingsbury's scheme that creates the, the mismatches. Um, you know, it's just, he, he's not running into stacked boxes. I mean, it's just not, yeah, it, it's not happening. Uh, so, you know, obviously you need talent back there, but it doesn't need to be. It's not like they had one guy who was making it happen last year. They made it happen with Drake too. So, um, it's good that Fitzgerald is a glorified uh, tight end because their tight ends are terrible. <laughs> they are just, I mean, just a Max Williams, I think is a projected starter. Uh, who's just not very good. Um, so uh, defensively, where, where does this team stand? I don't know. Like it's, 
there's a lot of question marks. It starts with Patrick Peterson, I think. He was not a good player last year when he came back from the PED suspension, which tends to happen when you're an old player coming off of a PED suspension. But right. he did show some signs of life at the end of the year, so maybe he bounces back. Maybe he found an uh, undetectable strain of, of PED for this year. That's that's the big hope. Uh, I think we just I think we just slandered someone for the first time on our podcast. Amazing! I mean, I hope the, I hope the Gannett lawyers are ready. We're making them earn their money, uh, but. They, they've already lost one corner. Robert Alford is already out for the year, and he missed last year, too. That was their number two guy. So now Byron Murphy kind of gets pushed out of the nickel roll and outside where I don't think he's as strong. And he wasn't very good as a rookie. So there's a huge question mark there. But luckily, they do have a good safety in Buda Baker, who just signed for, I think he's the highest paid safety in the league now, which kind of surprised some people. But I think he's a good player, and he's worth it. It's all about the the front seven, though. Behind Chandler Jones, I, there's just no one really here. Like you've probably never heard of any of the other guys, and the linebacking group. I don't think it's necessarily better because of Isaiah Simmons. Like we don't know if he's a good linebacker. If you watch his tape, he was pushed around in the box. He's not good at shedding right. blocks, which is what you need to need to do at the NFL level, at least. So. I think the front seven is going to be pretty bad. And with the question marks at cornerback, I wouldn't be surprised if the defense is as bad as it was last year. And that's why I'm not so high on the Cardinals. If they had a, a good defense, I might say they're sleepers to, to win the West. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the, 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 I am looking at the depth chart now and it is just totally void of players that you would recognize. Um, and yeah, Simmons does not change the calculus as far as, uh, you know, the, the power game, you know, he, he needs to be moved. I mean, we talked, we talked a ton about this uh, heading into the draft when we launched the podcast that, um, you know, the difficulty with him is that his, what made him so interesting in college was his versatility. And it's just that when you take that step up to the next level, uh, you, you, it doesn't work that way. You know, you're not very few athletes are ever good enough to be good at so many different things against the best of the best of the best. Um, they sort of need to have a calling card and we'll see where, where Simmons eventually settles in. But, you know, we, I think we sort of thought that it would be, uh, you know, not as, an everyday, every down impact linebacker. You know, he's going to have to be used, especially early in his career as he, as he, he's also not a safety. Like I see a lot of people think like kind of project him as a safety. And I don't think that's going to happen. He's not Derwin James. He doesn't move like him. So you can't even compare him. Like I know that was like the talk was like, he's the next, he's a hybrid like uh, Derwin James and Tyron Matthew, but those guys move like cornerbacks. That's the difference between them and him and every other like one of these hybrid linebackers we've seen, they don't work out ever. Like the right. safety converts, they never work out. Right. I mean, it's not to say he's not, he couldn't be a useful player, but it's just, it, I mean, it's not a plug. It's like, it's not a very clear fit right. for what we've seen defenses do. Uh, you know, I mean, we're obviously seeing fewer base defenses. I mean, I think last year there were more, di- I mean, it was last year, the first year that there were more dime uh formations than, than base I mean, it, like for most teams uh, so it is changing you know what the sort of players that are on the field is changing but uh, it's not very clear what that means for Isaiah Simmons or or how they'll really make use of him um, and that's again I mean that's one of the things we would have covered yeah, in a preseason game right is we would have right. been we would have locked in on that game and said okay let's see what do they actually do with him uh, we'll have to be doing that as we go uh, bet MGM has let me make sure I'm looking at the right team here. Uh, over under six point five wins. Football Outsiders projection eight point one. Wow, that is uh, that is a rare. Football Outsiders being way more optimistic than Vegas. Uh, what is your take over under for this team? I mean, you 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 know my answer. I'm going over. <laughs> I have to go over. I, I've got too much stock in Cliff and Tyler. I I'm going over. What what would the number have had to been for you to go under nine, eight five? Uh, nine nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
It might have been nine point five. I now that I'm looking at this defense, it really is. Uh, <laughs> That's why I'm not high on the the Kyler MVP talk. Like, there's a lot of people that are expecting him to follow the path of Lamar and Mahomes, but right. I don't think the team's going to win enough games for that to happen. Like the Chiefs and Ravens were very good teams. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be a very good team, even if Kyler is everything we expect him to be. He may be be playing every single down from behind, though. He may just have to throw the ball 80 times a game. So uh, maybe it'll just get nuts. Who knows? Uh, You have the Los Angeles Rams, the poor Rams, um, finishing last in this division. Uh, nine and seven last year with a plus 30 point differential offensive DVOA 17th defensive ninth um, new coordinators, uh, both defense and offense, Brandon Staley on defense, Kevin O'Connell for offense. Um, Todd Gurley is gone. Brandon cooks is gone. Uh, Corey Littleton, Dante Fowler, a lot of people leaving this team. Uh, they are in a salary cap situation. That's one. Uh, way, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're in a situation. In a, a total, total mess. They're also in a draft pick situation. They, they're in a adding new talent situation. They're they're in a situation the same way the U.S. is in a is in a situation. <laughs> a little bit of a pandemic and racism situation here in the United States. Just a little, a little, little mess. Um, uh, yeah, they they were zero and four in coin flip games last year, so. You know, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to find something positive to say. They're still, the, they're still coached by Sean McVay, who you know is does not carry the like ultra genius label anymore, but is still a very smart. Coach even the uniforms stink very well. <laughs> like the uniforms. That's just because they, they are bad. They are bad, especially they're since bad. they're in the same market. as Chargers and the Chargers right. uniforms are just the best. They're also bad because expectations were so high because they had such an easy job. Like those throwbacks were, they you just had to like touch them up a bit. But no, they went to they went above and beyond. They had gradient numbers like it's just too much, and like that was an easy W for this team in the off season. A team that hasn't been able to get W since they went on those spending sprees two years ago, and they just failed. I I can't believe it. Do you think we should start a whole like spin-off podcast talking about NFL fashion or should it just be a segment on our on the counter? Oh, I could go for hours on that I subject. I know you can. You've, you've ranked I think you put more thought into your ranking of the uniforms than pretty much any other post. <laughs> um, and you were also pretty devastated the one time we did a bracket of like best sports uniform and like Americans as Americans are wont to do like voted like they were just insane. Sporting, sporting Kansas City won that MLS team. <laughs> it's like that one time that we did uh, fast food and Firehouse Subs won. They were like, wait, what? <laughs> like, they're not even like the best sub you can get like, anywhere. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, anyway, <laughs> clearly we don't actually want to talk about the Rams. We're just talking about everything else. Um, is, Jared think- Goff, is Jared Goff going to be good this year? Tell me. Uh, probably not. Like he'll, I think he'll be the same as he was last year. There is probably not going to be as many mistakes. I think maybe he'll be slightly better. I think the receiving core might be better because Van Jefferson has apparently been very good in camp. The rookie out of Florida, and the big question mark with him was could he deal with physicality of NFL defensive backs? And apparently, he he had success against Jalen Ramsey. And if you can have success against him, I I mean it's all downhill from there. Like no right. one else is as physical as Jalen Ramsey. So maybe their receiving core is a lot better. And I mean, you never know with offensive lines. It's like, it seems like offensive line performance is like varies year to year. So maybe the offensive line just, just in-house improvement across the line solves everything. I, I don't know what was going on with this offseason approach. Like it was very clear that the the problem was the interior offensive line and they did nothing to address it. Like no draft picks, no free agent signings. It's just like they ho- were hoping it was going to get better. It's kind of like we talked about the the situation the country's in right now. It's similar to that. Like we just kind of hoped it would get better and I don't think it's going to get better and that's 
my big issue. And we're like, we're talking about the Rams and in such depressing terms, but they went nine and seven last year and had a lot of bad luck. They very could have, they could have been a playoff team very easily. And I think they're going to be around nine wins again. So it's kind of like the bar has was set so high because of expectations two years ago and how everyone was like, this is the team of the future. They're young. They're good. (laughs) They're taking this new approach to roster building. And like, they were getting a bunch of articles in the ringer and they were, talking about them in the same breath as the Warriors like I think right. the, pre- the president of the Rams pointed out how like the how the Warriors built which I think is just a flawed comparison because NBA player like an NBA team you can have a top heavy roster and win that's not the case in the NFL like that kind of sums up their issues their roster right. building issues Right. Uh, Defensively, I'm not sure anyone in the league has uh, more leeway than this team to not have talent because they have Aaron Donald, who uh, just is, uh, you know, you watch film and the minute the ball is snapped, everything on the line changes. And he just, uh, I think you used the verb devour in here, but uh, that is exactly what it looks like. It looks like something devours the line of scrimmage uh, and changes everything. Uh, obviously, they have Jalen Ramsey, too, one of the better corners in the league. So there's, uh, you know, that's something to start with on this defense. Corey Littleton, their top linebacker, left. Uh, can this defense be good enough, you think, to make so that a mediocre offense could could work and, and this team gets it done? Uh, I don't think so because, like, the lens we view this personnel through is that Wade Phillips lens. Like Phillips is known for getting the most out of his players and now he's gone. So I don't even know if we can expect some of the players that were good at the end of last year to be good again this year in a different system. So I'm skeptical. Like they still have a couple fun players to watch. Like Aaron Donald is his tape is just ridiculous. It's, and it's funny because he's like shorter. So when you watch from the, uh, the wide view, you see him lined up and then the, the ball snapped and then he kind of like disappears for a second. And then he just comes out of the, the offensive line and, and <laughs> demolishes the quarterback. Like in the time it took me to say that sentence, he sacked Russell Wilson like 17 times. <laughs> but, and then they have Jalen Ramsey, who I still think is the best cornerback in the league. I know people, people are going to say Stefan Gilmore, but I think if you put Ramsey in that system in new England system, he's a better player. Mm-hmm. So they have that going for them. They have very fun players to watch, but it's just like just a microcosm of their whole roster. Like it's too top heavy and those guys aren't going to make up for the holes everywhere else on the defense. And there are some holes like edge rusher is just a black hole linebacker. You've never heard of any of these linebackers on the team and they're not going to be good. So I don't think this, this defense is going to make up for whatever shortcomings they have on offense. Uh, Bet MGM has this team at 8.5 wins. Football Outsiders projection, 8.4. I feel like I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask anyway, over or under. I'm going to say under, but just under. I think they're still an 8-win team, and I I would not be surprised if they won nine games next year. I think I, I... I feel like the theme of our podcast is that the NFL has a lot of parody. In case you didn't know that, there's a lot of teams that are eight-win teams. The Counter. In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turn deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. Uh, the next team, jumping to the AFC West, is not an 8-win team. Uh, it, it feels silly to even talk about this team, just because they won the Super Bowl last year and basically returned everyone and probably got a little bit better by picking a dynamic player in the first round of the draft. I'm talking, of course, about the Kansas City Chiefs, 12-4 and four last year. You just pissed off so many nerds by saying that. They're just screaming at you through their their speakers i like to i like to piss off the nerds <laughs> uh 
uh, 12 and four last year, 100 plus 143 point differential, third offensive DVOA, 14th defensive DVOA. Um, yeah, I mean, they lost Kendall Fuller, the cornerback. Um, not, you know, not much else going on there. The running back that I was talking about is Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, out of LSU. Uh, who adds to just a totally stacked offense built around Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, and just masterfully designed by Andy Reid. I mean, I I feel like this team is just running it back, right? Like uh, no real reason to change what they did last year. Um, Where do you see this group heading into a new season? They're the new Patriots where you could just pencil them in for the AFC West. They're, or the AFC championship. Like they're going to get a bye. They're going to go to the AFC championship and it's going to be up to Baltimore to prevent them from getting to the Super Bowl. I don't, it's not even interesting to talk about them. Like we know what they're going to be They're They, their floor is so high. And we saw that last year. They, they lost Mahomes for two games, I think. And he, and then he was hobbled for like another month and they still won 12 games. And that was with them, like kind of figuring things out on defense and they didn't really figure it out till the middle of the season. Like now Spagnola's back for a second year. The defense should be just as good as it was last year towards the end of the year. The offense, like you said, it couldn't be even better. Like they lost, they lost, uh, I'm not even going to be able to say his name because it's just like so elegant. Uh, Laurent DuVernay Tardif. He's a doctor. He's like off fighting COVID. He's better than all of us. Like we're sitting around like idiots talking about football. such 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 an elegant name. Can you say it again for me? No, I'm not saying that again because right. my girlfriend's in the next room and she might leave me for him. Uh, you know, I you know I was supposed to go to Paris uh, and then it, the trip got canceled, but I felt like for a little bit there that I was just uh, <laughs> sitting out on a, on a street in Paris. So thanks for that. I, you're welcome. But he's he was replaced by an all pro in Kalechi Assembly. So right, if, right. Who no was loss is there? Yeah, I mean, he was a monster in uh, in Baltimore, uh, and obviously had some injury issues since then. Uh, the dispute last year, um, but if he can be any anywhere close to what he was, this offense somehow gets a little bit better. Also, the line was like banged up last year; like they lost a bunch of guys. Like Duvernay Tardif was injured, Eric Fisher was injured, and they just were plugging in guys, and it didn't matter because Andy Reid is a genius. And I was going to say Patrick Mahomes is, is Patrick Mahomes, but like some of those games were with Matt Moore and they were still putting up points like this offense is regression proof. The defense is just has to be competent and they're going to win 12 games. I know. I know you said I uh, pissed off the nerds by hyping up a running back. I have to tell you that you called Andy Reid a genius. So you just pissed off all of Philadelphia. And I feel like I'm probably, I'm probably safer than you are at this point. So because uh, Philadelphia people are mean. Uh, defensively, what are we looking at here? Um, maybe not a ton of depth. Uh, Tyron right. Matthew obviously is back, and uh, you know so much. He sort of pushed that defense to the next level. Um, Juan Thornhill got hurt last year. It was really good before that. Uh, so there's a chance that this defense is even better, um, especially in the secondary. But what are you looking at as you scout this defense? Uh, so they kind of need someone to step up on the edge. Like Frank Clark is a very good player, but they need some depth there. Obviously, Chris Jones is a, a difference maker at defensive tackle. But if the defense is going to be better than it was last year, and maybe you can make the argument that it needs to be if Baltimore it, if Baltimore takes another step on offense, then they're going to need one of their younger defensive ends or edge guys to step up and they, they got some guys that they've invested draft picks into on the roster. So that that's possible. But like I said, I don't think it matters because of the offense. They did add Willie Gay to the linebacking core. And that was like their big issue last year was linebacker. They just didn't have guys that could cover ground really. And he's a guy that can certainly do that. It's probably going to take some time for him to like catch up to NFL defense. But I think he's, he's going to add value there. I, I don't care what the defense does because they're, they're going to be fine. But I think on paper they have a chance to, you know, hover around where they were last year, which was obviously good enough to win a Super Bowl. Right. Uh, Bet MGM over under 11.5. Football Outsiders projection 
over or under for you? Over, even with the 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 high total, eleven and a half, like that doesn't scare me. I think twelve wins is. I mean, I I would say realistically, their floor is probably like ten, eleven wins. But I'll say twelve. I don't see them losing or winning less than twelve games. Uh, if Mahomes stays healthy, uh, I mean, are we poised for one of the best quarterback seasons of all time? I mean, is is that? In, in, is that something we should be looking for? I mean, well, people are already talking about him as being potentially the greatest ever. Uh, so is that what we're looking at here? It has to be in the cards. I mean, two years ago was one of the greatest super, our quarterback <laughs> seasons ever, and he's gotten better, right. at least from year one to year two. I, I'm excited to see where he is in year three because he does have areas where he could improve. Right. Not a lot, but there are some. And then his supporting cast is, is just yeah. good. It's not like you, it might be better too. Right, like right. Hardman is runs a four two, and it's his second year in the league. He could take off like a lot of receivers do in their second year, and then obviously Clyde Edwards Hilaire is there, and he's just a dynamic talent. I, yeah, I this team could break some records. Uh, number two in this division, you have the Los Angeles Chargers, five and eleven last year with negative eight point differential, twelfth. Uh, in offensive DVOA, 21st for defensive. Uh, most not- notable loss would be quarterback Philip Rivers. I also lost Russell Okung and running back Melvin Gordon. Brought in Chris Harris Jr., the corner, uh, Brian Bulaga, the tackle, Trey Turner came over in that trade for Okung. Uh, you know, this is a, a team with a quarterback question, right? It's uh, picked Justin Herbert sixth out of Oregon. Tyrod Taylor is on the roster and uh, is the presumed starter, but you know, very few quarterbacks picked in the first round, let alone number six, make it through a season without becoming the starter at some point. <laughs> Pat, uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is one of them, right? Like that, that's the funny thing is that uh, most teams just rush their quarterbacks forward. Now um, Mahomes waited and, here we are. Uh, but it seems like Herbert will get his chance at some point, you would think. Uh, what are you looking for out of this team this season making this transition? I think it comes down to what this offense looks like and w- what Anthony Lynn does with the run game, which I think it's going to be very different than it was last year. And then – what the play action passing game looks like. Cause I think if they're a team that just uses a bunch of play action, kind of like the Titans did last year, I think they have a, a chance of being a good offense because they have a, a lot of talented skill players. And I, I think the defense is going to be good. Like they lost Derwin James, which really hurts and, but they still have talent in the secondary and they obviously have those two pass rushers. So I think they're going to put pressure on the quarterback. The defense is going to be around league average. At, at worst, I think. And if the offense is really good and takes advantage of those skill players, like they have Keenan Allen, they have Mike Williams, they have Hunter Henry, they have Austin Eckler, who, like, in terms of passing produ- production in the passing game, he's, like, right up there with Christian McCaffrey in terms of running backs. Mm-hmm. So it really, I think it comes down to this coaching staff making things easier for whoever starts at quarterback. I, there's a big question mark there, and I don't think either answer is good. Like, Justin Herbert is, I think he's far away from playing. And then Tyra Taylor is probably past his prime. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line is also an issue. And I think it's going to be a bigger issue than it's been in the past. And it's always been an issue. It seems like now that Phillip Rivers is gone, because he's a guy that can mitigate those issues. But Taylor and Herbert are both guys that hold on to the ball a little too long. And so we can see a lot of sacks. Right. Uh, the Derwin James injury. I, I mean, certainly one of, if not the most impactful uh, full season injury or opt out we've seen. Right. I mean, that's, that's a huge blow. I feel like that's one or two entire games uh, that you're talking about them, them losing because uh, he, you know, I mean, he's just an incredibly dynamic player that really made that defense work. And he changes what they could do on the back end of the defense. Right. So I think that's there's one of the no, bigger no things. One else you can replace him with. Like, there's not, there's just, it's sort of like Earl, when we, when Earl Thomas left the Ravens, it's like you can put a player there, but they're not going to be able to do the same things. Right. And I thought he would like make up for, for what they lacked at linebacker. Cause their linebacking core is not 
does not look good on paper. They're relying on a rookie, Kenneth uh, Murray, who's kind of looked raw on tape. And then Nick Vigil comes over from the Bengals, and he was not good. He's like one of the, the league leaders in missed tackles. And that Bengals linebacking core has been a problem for a decade, and he's been one of the big reasons why. So I thought – I think his injury just – you know, highlights that weakness. And then the secondary is deep and we think it's good. But the reason we think it's good is because of how it's performed when Derwin James has been on the field. Like when you look at his on off splits, it hasn't been very good without him. And then you're relying on some older players like Chris Harris, the the Broncos were didn't care about him leaving for a reason. And then Casey Hayward has, he's been a good player and he used to be one of the best cornerbacks in the league, but he's been on in a decline for the last year or so. So I, I'm not even sure that the secondary is reliable. Uh, Bet MGM over under 7.5 football outsiders agrees for their win projection. Uh, where are you over or under? I'm going to take the under. Like, if you would have asked me before Derwin James's injury, I I take the over, and I think I'm on record as taking the over on FTW elsewhere. So, <laughs> kind of flip flopping here. But the James injury is, like you said, it's huge, and so I'm going to take the under. Yeah, man. We uh, now we have to finish with two teams that are uh, worse than a, a team that you just picked to win fewer than seven games or to win seven or fewer games. So let's, uh, let's plunge forward here onto the Denver Broncos, uh, a fan base that loves you. Uh, seven and nine last year, negative 34 point differential offensive DVOA 26th defensive DVOA 13th. Um, Pat Shermer is in as offensive coordinator to work with an offense, but honestly has a, a, a ton of talent. Um, this is where uh, Melvin Gordon ended up. Uh, and the Broncos also made a bunch of wide receiver picks. Jerry Judy out of Alabama being the uh, marquee name. But, you know, this is the Drew Locke story, right? This is whether or not, you know, Drew Locke that uh, – showed flashes last year of running the offense efficiently um, is if he can build on that a little bit, then, you know, certainly seems like the chargers are there to, to pick off. I mean, the team is probably not going to catch the chiefs, but um, that's sort of the thing that we're waiting to see how good can drew lock be um, has a good supporting, you know, supporting cast. He's throwing a good wide receivers, uh, they're waiting for uh, Noah Fant, the tight end that they picked last season, to sort of emerge. But it's a good group. What do you see coming from this from this team? Yeah, I'd probably flip the Broncos and Chargers now with the Derwin James injury. Like, I'd put the Broncos second. And they do have a lot of good skill players, but it's a lot of good skill players in theory. Like, if everything works out, like, we're still relying on – Jerry Judy to be good and first round receivers don't have a good track record. And then KJ Hamler is another guy that people expect a lot of big things out of. Although he did get dinged up in camp after uh, producing yeah. some highlight videos. And then Noah Fant is, I think he has a chance to be a very good tight end, but it's still a projection. So there's a lot of projecting going on and the offensive line is, is the weak link, the clear weak link, maybe on the whole roster. And, and we haven't even gotten to Drew Locke yet, who, who all that hype is based around uh, like a four game stretch where they played a lot of bad defenses and they won a lot of close games. And that's why I think they have a lot of hype going into this year. They finished four and one last year, but it was kind of a fluky finish. Like they had some late wins where they kicked some long field goals against bad teams. Like they barely beat the Lions. They barely beat the Chargers who were bad last year. They barely beat the Raiders. And they were just blown out of the water by the Chiefs. So I don't know how real the ending of that of 2019 was. And if you're banking on that, I, I think you're going to be disappointed in this team. And they are a team that's gotten some hype during the offseason. I haven't jumped on the hype train, mostly because I have question marks about Drew Locke and Pat Shermer. I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I do think the defense is going to be better than expected. Like, you look at their depth chart, and I don't think you're wowed by anyone, but they still have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and that's I think that's going to be enough for Vic Fangio to figure something out. He's always turned out good defense. I think it's going to happen, too. And it's usually the case where the defense takes off in year two, I, and I don't see why that's not going to happen this year. 
Right. Um, yeah, I was looking at the, the depth chart, the ESPN depth chart for this team uh, earlier. And, you know, you never know how accurate they are, especially as you were saying this year, because there's no uh, preseason games to actually use as as a guide. But uh, Austin Schlotman is the second string left guard, center and right guard, which either <laughs> means like Austin Schlotman is just so good that he is like not he's just a perfect number six or they have just no depth at all uh and the maybe tonic- there are three austin schlotmans <laughs> have you ever thought about that there are two connor Mc- connor mcgoverns in the nfl and they, <laughs> they both play guard which is very annoying and like i think one of them is pretty good and the other one's like an unproven rookie so i i don't know which one is the good one i can't even tell you that but i we've got too many connor mcgoverns McGovern's. We got to get rid of one of them. One of them's got to change their name. <laughs> My favorite Broncos lineman, by the way, is Lloyd Cushenberry the third, uh, who is <laughs> a center. So, uh, who's picked this year actually. Um, uh, yeah, this, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just about Drew Locke, right? It's just about yeah. whether or not, uh, you can take that, take that leap. Um, and, and make this offense go to another level. I think you're right. The defense can be, um, pretty good, you know. Like you said, Fangio is. I mean, that's what he does. He takes makes good defenses. So, uh, w- what do you think for this team? Um, the over under from BetMGM is seven point five. Football Outsiders is at seven. Where are you? I'm going to take the over, but I would stay away from making a bet on this. Like, because you're relying on so much unknown. Like, it's a lot of young players. They're relying on a lot of young players and unproven guys. Like, there's no like middle class in terms of age on this roster. It's either guys that are probably too old or guys that are too young. So, I don't know if this is the year they break out. I think next year is probably their year if Drew Locke is even decent. Like, I don't think he has to be even good for them to make the playoffs. Right. If everything else around him is good and Pat Shermer recaptures that magic he had in 2017 in Minnesota. So I'm going to take the over, but don't bet on this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, this it certainly feels like this team is, is headed toward a uh, Jacksonville Jaguars sort of, you know, Blake yeah. Mortal still on a rookie deal. We're going to be good for a little bit. Can we figure it out? Can Drew Locke actually take a step forward? You know, it seems like they're headed toward that breakout, like you said, probably next season rather than this season. Uh, rounding out this division and the final team that we have left to talk about, the Las Vegas Raiders. Still feels weird to say that. Seven and nine last season, negative 106-point differential, ninth offensive DVOA, defensive 31st. Um, they added Corey Littleton from the uh, Rams, uh, Marcus Mariota, Jason Witt, um, playing football again, Nelson Aguilar who can't catch. Um, and uh, Henry Ruggs was their first pick in the draft. So they've added some wide receiver talent for one of your <laughs> favorite quarterbacks to throw to, Derek Carr, uh, to throw, throw at. Um, not not feeling this team, I guess, this year. Not not feeling that the – I know you've been, you've been more impressed with Gruden, John Gruden's return to the NFL than I think you thought you would be, but obviously you're not seeing that it's – going to pay off yet no i'm gonna make an analogy and i just kind of thought of it so bear with me this this team in recent years kind of reminds me of madden the video game like every year it's the same thing but there's kind of like these like superficial additions that don't really matter like they're kind of flashy but they don't end up making a difference. And I think that's the case with this team. Like they, it seems like they add guys every, they like shuffle guys in and out every year. So it kind of looks like it's a different team, but it's always a seven and nine team where the defense is bad. The offense is kind of good, but not good when it matters. I I think it's more of the same. Like they've made some good additions, I guess. Like Corey Littleton is a player. I really like Nick Kwiatkowski is an underrated linebacker. I think he's going to be a useful player and they, they really had problems at linebacker, but there's like the core of it is just still bad. Like there's no pass rush here. Derek Carr is a flawed quarterback who's has somehow like figured out how to game the, the EPA numbers and stuff. He's like, 
there's like a handful of those guys that like their advanced numbers look better than they should. Like, and you know, when you watch them, you're not watching a good quarterback, but the stats say otherwise, he's one of those guys. And the receiving core, like on paper, it's better, I guess, but I don't, is it like Henry Ruggs is, I guess he's your number one receiver now that Tyrell Williams is out for the season. Nelson Aguilar is the number two guy. Like, He's got a big role in the offense, which I, I think you know is not like it's a dicey situation as an Eagles fan. <laughs> Hunter Renfro's like their most reliable receiver, and he's he's what he averages like nine yards per catch. Like I don't I don't know how you get excited about this team, but Raiders fans seem to get excited every year. Like Jason Witten is here. What? Why? <laughs> to, uh, is he here to teach uh, Hunter Renfro how to? Uh, <laughs> Get nine yard catches on third and eight. I I uh, I'm just hoping that we uh, you know we just don't have to listen to him talk anymore. I mean that's, that's <laughs> the the silver lining. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I think fan. I think Ray. I don't even know who Raiders fans are. Right? Like, or do they live in Oakland? Or some of them in Vegas. Like, uh, who? I don't know who we're talking about when we talk about Raiders fans. Uh, some of them are probably just excited because there's going to be a team in their town uh not that they can i don't even know are they allowed to go watch i I haven't kept track of exactly which stadiums are allowed to have people in them or not um but yeah i mean i think there's probably a fair amount of buzz just because this team is moving um but like you said there's just not there does not appear to be much of a plan for how to make this franchise really move forward it's uh I mean, I think we talked in previous years about like, well, they're really, they got, they got to build up. They want to have a great first year. You know, they want to make a huge impact when they get to Vegas. And uh, just, it has not happened. (laughs) It has not happened. It does not, does not look like it's going to happen. Um, I love it. I love that they're, they have a a talent pipeline from Monday night football. (laughs) They are the the last two Monday night color commentators. Like is Lewis Riddick going to be their next GM? Are they going to hire? Are they going to uh, replace Derek Carr with Dan Orlovsky? <laughs> I was going to ask you, what is Derek Carr's future? Well, I mean, how do you see this playing out for him? I don't see them making the playoffs, and I don't see how they run it back again if they don't make the playoffs. Like, if it's what would it be now? Four straight years of missing the playoffs with him. Like after that, you just got to cut it. Like cut the quarterback. You just got to get rid of him. Like if you if you your quarterback doesn't make the playoffs for four straight years, I think that's enough reason to move on. And I think Raiders fans are finally fed up with Derek Carr. Like a year ago at this time, they would have defended him. If I if I made a joke about Derek Carr, I would have just been bombarded with Raiders fans. Now I make jokes about Derek Carr and like the Raiders fans like they're like right there with me. It's not fun anymore. Oh man. Simple joys in life going away. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and you can't even can't even troll people anymore. I still have Josh Allen and the Bills fans. So and, and, and Drew Lock. Don't don't forget Drew Lock. Those people hate you as well. Uh, Bet MGM seven point five wins. Uh, Football Outsiders seven point seven. Where are you? Over or under? I'm going under. Uh... This was a seven-win team last year, and they were very lucky to win seven games. They had a minus 106-point differential. It was one of the worst in the league. Uh, yeah, I'm going under. I don't think they're any better on – like, I don't think they're significantly better. And they have a pretty hard schedule. I think they're playing the NFC South out of the division, obviously the AFC West. I think I'm kind of down on some of the other teams, but I still think they're good teams like the Chargers and Broncos. I, I obviously think they're better than – Las Vegas, and then the Chiefs are just going to demolish them two, uh, two games. Like, the offense just kills the Raiders, and Derek Carr seems to just get worse against the Chiefs. So, I don't see a lot of wins on this schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So, we're headed into Labor Day weekend, uh, the last weekend before NFL football returns. Are you going to just, like, go meditate somewhere for the weekend? Are you going to, like, ascend to a temple and just think about the upcoming season? In theory, but I'm probably just going to be staring at this Google Doc all weekend long. (laughs) Uh, Well, we will return after Labor Day uh, with, uh, I guess we'll do some projections. We'll we'll get your Super Bowl winner, and we'll get your playoff teams, your wildcard teams, your MVP, your Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year. I I want everything, man. I want to know exactly what's going to happen. 
because I constantly do this to you. I've been doing it to you for the better part of a decade, making you pick these impossible selections so that people can throw them back at you in tweets. Uh, I appreciate it. Later on. Yeah, it's, it's a little rough. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. Uh, we'll have a bunch of preview content uh, coming next week too. We'll, we'll give you some of these notes that we've compiled to record these episodes so you can be prepared for the new season. Uh, and we'll look ahead and I mean, hopefully everything stays, all the players stay healthy and coronavirus free. So far, the NFL players have done, uh, an unimaginably incredible job of avoiding any sort of disaster. We'll see how, how long that can continue. I mean, as the story continues to change at the college level, uh, you know, the big 10 may now be voting again. Uh, although also a Penn State doctor is claiming that many of the young players they saw were having heart issues when they tested positive for uh, coronavirus. So uh, this is still such a moving target. There's still so much unknown, but we do appear to be headed toward NFL football a week from today. So it's exciting. How should we end this show? Uh, I'm going to avoid slandering Derek Carr and Drew Locke any further. I've, I've already pissed off some fan bases enough, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass that on to you. I like your – no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of gentle one. You're the, yeah, you're exactly. The bad, you're the bad guy on the show, uh, so that's, that's your role. Anyway, everybody enjoy Labor Day. Hope you can uh, relax a little bit, take some time, and uh, wear masks if you go out. That's still the right thing to do. Talk to you guys next time. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. 